Our scripture reading for today will be Matthew 16, verses 13 through 18. If you've got a uh, Bible in front of you, I'm not sure what page it is on today. <laughs> well, we'll start at verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And we believe that God will bless the reading of his word today. And at this time we have our special speaker, Carvin Adams. It is your turn to come and share for us. Just to give you a little bit of background on our text, Jesus is about a year and a half into his public ministry, and he takes his disciples into a region called, in our text, Caesarea Philippi. Don't confuse Caesarea Philippi with the port city of Caesarea, which is way to the southwest of Caesarea Philippi. And don't confuse Caesarea Philippi with the city of Philippi, the principal city of Macedonia, where Paul went to plant a city on his second missionary journey. But this is Caesarea Philippi, located about 120 miles north of Jerusalem, 50 miles northeast of Jesus' hometown of Nazareth, about 30 miles north of the Sea of Galilee. As far as we know, Caesarea Philippi is the most northern place that Jesus ever traveled. It was really a place out of the way. It wasn't only location that you would go to to go to another place. In fact, when you consider it would have taken them about six days to walk there, we must ask ourselves, why go to Caesarea Philippi? In fact, we don't know of any teachings that he did there other than to take the twelve disciples, the apostles, there to ask them two questions that we see in our text today. In verse 13, he asked them, Who do people say the Son of Man is? And that's the phrase that he most often referred to himself as, the Son of Man. And then in verse 15, he asked them another question, Who do you say I am? It appears to me that Jesus deliberately walked six days to this region of Caesarea Philippi for the very purpose of asking his apostles those two questions. And as I was working on this sermon, I had to ask myself why. He could have asked these two questions anywhere else in those areas where he conducted his ministry. But it seems he deliberately took them 
to this out-of-way place. Six days travel, one way to ask them these two questions. Why? But as I began to look at the history of this region of Caesarea Philippi, I discovered it was an ancient city, the center of a religious worship for many, many centuries. It goes all the way back to the time when the Israelites had gone there as they made their way into Canaan. It was the center of the worship of Baal, the sun god. Later, Baal was given the name of Penelius after the Roman god Pan. And as I began to study the god of Pan, I realized it was symbolized by a, a image being half goat and half man. The lower part was symbolized by a goat and the upper part being man. And according to legend, Pan lived a life of sexual perversion. It, he chased little nymphs who had the appearance of beautiful young women and he had unbridled sex with them. Pan was said to have had the power to evoke terror in those he chose to torment. In fact, it is where we get the English word panic. It's come all the way down through the centuries to us. Caesarea Philippi was the center of pagan worship. It was almost unimaginable sin hole of humanity. It would be the Las Vegas of that area or the New Orleans of that area. It was the worst place in the region. Virtually an off-limits place for all Jews. But it was to this place that Jesus took the apostles a place they had heard of all their lives. A place they had been taught the evils of. A place they had probably never visited before in their lives. What did Jesus have in mind? To take these holy apostles to this sin hole of humanity. Surrounded by the images of this false god called Pell to ask them this question, what do people say that the Son of Man is? And in verses 14 and following, they reply, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets, meaning that some people think that these earlier prophets have been raised from the dead. They, they recognize the miraculous powers of Jesus Christ. In verse 15 he said, But what about you? Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. You see, only the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, can convince a person who Jesus is. See, I can stand up here from now to next Sunday and try to 
tell you who Jesus is. I can show you biblical proof in, in Scripture that He is the Son of God, that He is divine. You can see Him in Scripture. You may say He is a prophet, a teacher, or whatever, but only God, specifically the Spirit of God, can prove to you who He really is. You can see him as a prophet, as John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, or someone else. Jesus was trying to teach his apostles that even in the most sinful place of idolatry of their day, or even in the most tragic time of our lives, or whatever you and I may be going through, Jesus is still Christ. The Son of the Living God. He was the Son of God when He was conceived in the womb of the Virgin Mary. He was the Son of God as He laid in the manger some 2,000 years ago. He was the Son of God as He laid in the tomb for some three days. He was the Son of God who quenched the thirst of the woman at Jacob's well. He was still the Son of God when He hung on the cross and said, I am thirsty. He was the Son of God who broke a few loaves of bread and fed the 5,000. He was the Son of God who broke the bread and shared it with His apostles at the last Passover meal. He was the Son of God whose Body, the bread of life was broken on Calvary. There has never been a time, prehistory or since, and there never will be a time when Jesus is not the Son of God. In fact, he said of himself, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the first and the last. I am the beginning and the end. It was only six days after Peter's confession here in our text. After he asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? That he took the three most inner circle to him, Peter, James, and John, to a mountain that we have now Begin to call Mount Transfiguration. And there he gave them physical and audible proof that he was and still is the Son of God. We, we can only imagine what that scene was. Scripture tells us that his body was transfigured before them. I can only imagine that was his glorified body for a few moments. Scripture says his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. It was such a magnificent experience for the three that they wanted to build tabernacles there and remain. But of course that was not possible. It was during that time that a voice from heaven cried out, this is my son whom I love 
and with him I am well pleased. Listen to him. And for the next 18 months or so, Jesus began to share with them that he'd have to die. This is the first time he began to tell them that. But he said on the third day, I would be raised from the dead, but he would continue to be the Christ, the Son of the living God. I want us to look a little bit deeper at Peter's confession under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of what he says about Jesus in verse 16. You'll notice this, especially in your outlines that are listed in your bulletin. First of all, he says Jesus is the Christ, which literally translated means the anointed one, the Messiah. He says, you are the Christ. Now, in the Old Testament, the word anointed refers to three groups, three groups of people who were anointed with oil, olive oil, when installed into their respective positions of leaders. Kings were anointed in Israel when they became kings of Israel. Priests were anointed when they became uh, priests within uh, Judaism. Prophets in Israel were anointed. Many were anointed as kings, priests, or prophets. But no one, no one ever had the office of all three except Jesus Christ. He alone is the King of Kings. He alone is our high priest who intercedes for us before the Father, according to the writer of Hebrews. He alone is the major prophet who has revealed God the Father to all peoples of the earth. Therefore, he is not just anointed as were the kings, priests, and prophets. Peter says he is the anointed one. So the Christ, the Messiah, was promised by God the Father, was prophesied by all the prophets of the Old Testament, and was expected to come as God's people had expected for at least 1,800 years. As Jesus was before the Sanhedrin, after his arrest, before his crucifixion, the high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God to tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. And this is what Jesus said. Yes, it is as you say. So Peter, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, confessed that Jesus was the Christ, the Messiah. He made a second declaration that Jesus is God because he said in verse 16 the son of the living God now this Messiah was not just a mere man although he was man and God at the same time not half God and half man fully God and fully God uh, fully man at the same time I realize we cannot understand that I don't I can understand being half something and half something else 
But I do not understand being fully something and fully something else at the same time. That is something we have to accept by faith. Either we accept it or we don't. That's how we accept salvation, by faith. Strictly by faith. He was mere, not merely man, but a divine person. He was not created as were angels and man, for he himself is the source of all creation, according to Scripture. Jesus is by nature the only Son of God, having the same nature as God himself, being one with him and equal with him, for he is God, having the same characteristic as the Father. Now I know that that is something else we have to accept by faith. But according to scriptures, even demons recognize Jesus as being the Son of God, even though a lot of men do not. Demons, according to scripture, said this. What do you want with us, Son of God, they shouted. Have you come here to torment us before the appointed time? And appointed time means the final day of judgment. Now we have to ask ourselves, or at least I have to ask myself, if demons recognize Jesus as being the Son of God, why is it difficult for some men and some women to not accept Him as being the Son of God? I can only think of two reasons. One is lack of faith. So many people cannot believe in what they cannot see, touch, or smell. If they cannot, they cannot accept salvation because salvation is received by faith. But I believe there's another reason. If you accept the fact that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, you have to follow Him or else face His judgment at the final day. And a lot of people don't want to follow Him. Peter made a third declaration about Jesus. Jesus is the only God. The only God. Because he said, the living God. In the English we have the article the. Now in Quechua, when I was serving as a missionary in Ecuador, the Quechua language doesn't have articles. But in English we have articles. The, an, and a. The means he's not one of many gods, but the only God. Now, there have been thousands of false gods in the history of mankind. At least two were in Caesarea. Baal, going way back, at least 4,000 years. And then there's Pan. As long as God continues to tarry and sending back his son, Jesus Christ, there will be many, many more false gods. Now we like to think that our country is Christian. I don't see much Christian about it to be honest with you. I don't want to bust your bubble. But I don't. We probably have as many false gods as most heathen nations. I'm not going to tell you what they are. You already know what they are. You may serve some of them this morning. But of all the various gods conceived in the minds of men in searching for peace or fulfillment, there's only one God 
that can forgive us of our sins. There's only one God that can give us eternal life. His name is Jesus. The Son of God. Jude wrote, To the only God, our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority, through Jesus Christ our Lord, before all ages, now and forever. Amen. Now I realize this goes against many doctrines, many world religions that you can get to eternal life through all these other gods. That's not what my Bible teaches. There's only one way to eternal life. It's through Jesus Christ. Peter made a fourth declaration in verse 16. He says, Jesus is eternal. He said, Son of the living God. And that word living not only distinguishes Jesus from the dead gods, but also points to him as the source of life. Of course, he is the creator. The source of life, past, present, future, and eternal, physical, and spiritual. And living also is applied to the supreme being. It's all connected. You may remember the morning after Jesus' resurrection that women went to the tomb to anoint the body. And we read these, these words from Scripture, from Luke's account, especially it says... In their fright, meaning after they saw the risen Lord, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, being the angels, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Jesus said of himself, I am the living bread, or the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. Just as the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father. So the one who feeds on me will live because of me. After Peter made this declaration in verse 16, it's not a surprise to me that Jesus replied in verse 17 and 18. He said, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Some have misinterpreted verse 18, thinking that Jesus is going to build his church upon Peter. That is not my understanding of that verse, but rather... Jesus was saying that he is building his church upon the foundation upon our faith, upon who he is, being the Son of God. It was upon Peter's declaration that he is the Son of God. 
the importance of what I've shared with you this morning, I think can be summarized in a question that I will try to make a little more personal for you. Not so much as to what Peter responded to Jesus' question, but a question I will ask you, who do you say Jesus is? Or let me ask it a little bit different way. Who is Jesus to you? If we were to ask that question to the majority in our country, they would probably say he's a good man, he's a good teacher, a good prophet. Uh, Probably the majority would say the Son of God. But then I would ask, what proof do you have? Or have you applied that statement to your own life? Or can you give me proof that you have applied that to your own life? After Jesus had began to tell his disciples that he was going to die, in fact, immediately he told him he was going to, Peter rebuked him and said, no, that will never happen to you. And in verses 24 through 28, Jesus then tells them the cost of being his disciple. And this must have really shocked them. This is something they probably had not contemplated. They, at this time, thought he was still going to set up a political kingdom, overthrow the Roman oppression. But notice verses 24 through 28. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone will come after me, which means be my disciple, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me, which means really a crucifixion of self or to give up all rights to self. He says, For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good is will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in His Father's glory with His angels, and He will reward each person according to what He has done. I tell you the truth, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming into His kingdom. I'm going to ask that you bow your heads and be in the attitude of prayer as you think about these four declarations that Peter said about Jesus Christ. But I want you to think about them in the context as to who is Jesus to you? Is he the Christ or the Lord of your life? Is he really in control of every phase and area of your life? He's probably the Savior of all of your lives. There may be some here who have not accepted him by faith as your Savior. And if you have not... I would encourage you this morning to, by faith, accept Him into your life. Give Him the opportunity to forgive you of your sins, that you may have eternal life. But there may be some here this morning who have never allowed Him to really be the Christ, the Lord of your life. For He he alone can give you eternal life. There's no other way that you can have it except through Jesus Christ. There's no one else who has died for your sins except Jesus Christ. 
And I realize this concept of him being the son of God and also being the son of Mary is still hard for us to completely comprehend, but by faith we must accept it. But he can be the Christ of your life regardless of what you're going through. Even during the most tragic time of your life. He can still be there for you. So we're going to stand and sing a few verses of an invitation. If you'd like to pray by yourself, you can come to these front pews. You can sit there or kneel, whatever you desire to do. But if you'd like for me to pray with you, I'm going to ask that you come to the altars here that I may know what your desire is. So as we stand to sing a few verses of an invitation, I invite you to come, regardless what your situation may be, regardless of your need. As we stand to sing, I invite you to come. Won't you come?